Guardian Unlimited. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. John Robertson. Number one, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, sir, before listening to my engagements, I'm sure the whole House wish to join me in sending our condolences to the family and friends of Private Michael Tench of A Company, 2nd Battalion, the Light Infantry, who was killed in Iraq at the weekend. He was only a very young man, but his country should be very proud of him and the work that he and his colleagues have been doing in Iraq in the service of our country. Mr. Speaker, sir, this morning I have meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I will have further such meetings later today. John Robertson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I also associate myself with the, the Prime Minister's comments and send my own condolences to family and friends uh, of those of the, the, the soldier mentioned? Would the Prime Minister join with me in congratulating O2 for the work they're doing in the United Kingdom when they brought their, their, their uh, call centre, State of the Arts, to Glasgow, creating yeah. over 1,500 jobs in that city? Would he also agree with me that it is important that companies such as O2, not just British companies but foreign companies, that, that invest in this country and ensure that the growth in, in the economy continues and that separation would stop this from happening? Well, Mr Speaker, first of all, I, I would congratulate uh, O2 on the investment that they are making in Scotland and, and welcome that investment very much. And of course, that is against a background of some 200,000 extra jobs in the Scottish economy. The claimant uh, count on unemployment, the lowest for 30 years, a very strong Scottish economy. And separation would put the, all that at risk, of course it would, by undermining the stability of the economy. And I believe that the Union is good for Scotland, but it is also good for England. It is good for the whole of the United Kingdom. And the fact that we have such a strong economy is because the UK works well together. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Private Michael Tench, aged just 18, who was killed in southern Iraq on Sunday. He died serving his country, and we should be proud of him. The latest crisis in the Home Office is that the Home Secretary is writing to courts up and down the country, pleading with them not to send convicted criminals to prison. Will the Prime Minister give a guarantee that he will not deal with this failure in prison planning by introducing yet another scheme to release criminals early. First of all, I must correct him on what the Home Secretary has said. He is simply reminding the courts of existing sentencing policy set out in the legislation. Oh, yes. And let me just tell him one other thing, that actually not merely are there going to be 2,000 extra prison places in this country by the end of this year, but as a result of the investment in prison places, there will be a further 8,000 on top of that. And might I just remind them that every penny piece of that investment in prisons is investment he voted against. Let's be absolutely clear. The Prime Minister's answer gives no guarantee. So another early release scheme may well be on its way and dangerous criminals released on our streets. Will he at least guarantee that all options, including emergency prison accommodation, prison ships and army camps will be considered before any early release scheme? Yeah. All options, of course, are kept under consideration all the time, but the very reason why we have an issue to do with prison places at the moment is because, let me point out to them, there are currently 40% more dangerous, violent and persistent offenders in prison than in 1997, despite crime having fallen rather than risen. And secondly, and secondly one of the additional reasons is because we now have 
2,000 prisoners in prison with indeterminate sentences precisely because of the seriousness of the offence. That was introduced in the 2003 Act and he voted against it. Violent crime has doubled and we've been telling him to build prisons for the last 10 years. Now, is it the government's policy to split the Home Office into two entirely separate departments? The issue about the future structure in the Home Office arises, as he knows, from the review announced by the Home Secretary last October, which is to do with the issue of terrorism and security. That is not an issue to do with prison places. Let me just remind him, since 1997, there are 20,000 extra prison places. That has required an investment going into billions of pounds. It is in part as a result of tougher sentencing that there are more people in prison, and I repeat, every single measure of tougher sentencing and extra investment he has opposed. The Lord, the Lord Chancellor said splitting the Home Office in two was a very, very serious proposal and indicated that he thought it was time to do it. Now, can the Prime Minister tell us whether the Chancellor of the Exchequer agrees with splitting the Home Office in two? <laughs> already explained that as a result, as a result of the review that is... The review that was announced by the Home Secretary... Let the Prime Minister answer. Prime Minister. Order. Prime Minister. The review that was announced last October is about the structures of the Home Office to do with security and terrorism. There are proposals the Home Secretary has made, and we will make an announcement on those in the next few weeks. However, in respect of prisons, whatever the different structures in the Home Office, there is only one way we are going to be able to deal with the problems in our prisons, and that is to build more prison places and make sure that we have violent and serious and persistent offenders behind bars. And let me repeat once again that all of that investment, all of it, has been opposed by him. And incidentally, since we're talking about the record of this government on crime, on the British Crime Survey, all recorded crime, crime has fallen, crime doubled under the Tories. I think the Prime Minister will find that the Chancellor doesn't want to break up the Home Office, he just wants to break up the Home Secretary. <laughs> now look, the Prime Minister's not going to be here for very long. Let me ask him again. There is no point even considering this proposal unless the Chancellor's agreed it. So let me ask him again. He can ask the Chancellor now. Does he back splitting the Home Office? Yes or no? As I've just explained to him, there were proposals put forward by the Home Secretary. The Government will come to a view on those within the next few weeks and will announce them to the House in the normal way. However, when he is talking about the relationship between the Home Office and prisons and policing, let me just make it clear. There is absolutely no way that we can deal with the current issues in respect of prison places unless we are going to build more. We are building 8,000 more prison places, but the investment that is necessary to do that is investment he has voted against. So, as he has, the tougher sentences. So, there's no use him coming to the dispatch box and saying, make sure that no serious or violent offenders are let out of prison. They're in prison precisely because of this government and he opposed the measures. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty simple question. Does the Chancellor want to break up the Home Office? Yes or no? We've got prisoners on the run. We've got weak borders. Order, order. Let the Leader of Opposition speak. Uh, order. 
We've got prisons overcrowded, and all the government can do is float half-baked schemes for breaking up the Home Office that they can't even agree about. Hasn't this government now become like the ship stranded off the Devon coast? It's washed up, it's broken up, and they're just scrabbling over the wreckage. I think that probably sounded better in rehearsal than it did at the dispatch bar just now. The truth of the matter is... The truth of the matter is, we are in a situation where we are actually building more prison places, where people are staying in prison longer, where as a result of the legislation in 2003, we now have indeterminate sentences for violent and sexual offenders. The fact of the matter is, crime has actually fallen, not risen. We've extra numbers of police. We've extra numbers of community support officers. All of that has taken legislation and investment, and he has voted against both. So the one person who has no credibility on this issue is the person who's opposed the very issues that are necessary to deal with it. And the truth is, the Tory party that used to be the party of law and order now votes against the tough measures and the investment. my right honourable friend share my concern with the growing power of private equity companies? Increasingly, they're in pursuit of a quick buck and a quick profit. They, 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 cut, they cut back on investment, cut back on the skills of the workers, they, they asset strip very rapidly. This is a very worrying situation because these companies now employ over three million British workers. Does he share my concern and can he do something about it? Um. Well, I think, first of all, um, although I'm sure there are situations of, of abuse uh, to which my honourable friend draws attention, I actually think that private equity companies in this country have also provided a valuable basis of investment in British industry. But I think the way of dealing with the issue that he, he outlines is actually to make sure we have proper protections for the workforce. And in that regard, let me tell him that this government, this government will never withdraw from the European Social Charter that has provided such excellent protection for the workforce. And that is in distinction to some other parties I can mention. Campbell, may I associate myself with the expressions of sympathy and condolence which the Prime Minister has expressed in relation to the young soldier who's been killed. And may we also on this occasion remember those who have been wounded, some grievously, and whose lives have been deeply affected by that as a result of their service in Iraq. General Danat has said that our presence in Iraq exacerbates the security situation. Later today, in the debate on Iraq, we will be setting out our proposals to bring the troops home by October. Should not the Prime Minister be setting out his proposals in that debate as well? As I've already indicated, I, of course, when the operation currently going on in Basra that allows us then to reconsider um, the configuration and deployment of our forces is, is finished, then I will of course come to the House and report on future strategy for British forces. I have to say to him, though, first of all, he does not represent General Dannett accurately. That is not his view. Um, secondly, let me just tell him this. For us to set an arbitrary timetable, and that is what it is. It's arbitrary. It's not attached to the conditions in Iraq. It's simply saying that we will pull British troops out in October, come what may, that would send the most disastrous signal to the people that we are fighting in Iraq. It is a policy that, whatever its superficial attractions may be, is actually deeply irresponsible, which is probably why it's the Liberal Democrat policy. Well, if he feels that strongly, he should come and debate these issues. What can possibly be more important 
than that the Prime Minister should be here to debate the issue of Iraq at a time when British forces are at risk every day in respect of their lives. Isn't that the kind of leadership we're entitled to? I'm actually debating the issue with him now. And I entirely agree that British forces are doing a fantastic job in Iraq in circumstances of difficulty and danger. But let us remind ourselves why they are there. They are there under a United Nations resolution with the full support of the government of Iraq. He shakes his head. Let me remind him, in 2003, after the conflict and after the invasion of Iraq, there was then a United Nations resolution that specifically endorsed the multinational force. We are there with the agreement of the government of Iraq. When I spoke to the Vice President of Iraq, himself a Sunni, just a few days ago, he made it clear how disastrous it would be to set an arbitrary timetable for withdrawal. And the very way that we can make sure that the sacrifice of our troops has not been in vain is to see the mission through and complete it successfully. Mr Speaker, may I also thank my right honourable friend for visiting my home city of Brighton and Hove earlier this week to announce new local funds to tackle antisocial behaviour. Now Brighton and Hove is one of 40 respect programme areas and we will be able to set up both parenting schemes and fight crime more effectively. May I ask my, honour, my right honourable friend if he will assure my constituents that this money will not be a one-off, bringing hope for only one year, but will be repeated year on year. Of course, um, there are decisions that will be taken in the comprehensive spending review in relation to funding, but I think my honourable friend is absolutely right in saying um, that the respect action areas and the funding that goes with it has made a real difference. And I know there are party members opposite who have claimed this is all to do with gimmicks and respect of antisocial behaviour. People can visit community after community in this country today, see the new laws on antisocial behaviour being used, see new partnerships between police and local community in order to make sure that we deal with the menace of antisocial behaviour, and those that continue to oppose the measures on antisocial behaviour are completely out of touch with the majority of people in this country. Dr Cable. Can I, uh, can I tell the Prime Minister that a government decision to rob the prudently managed primary care trust in my constituency of £8 million to plug other deficits in the health service is resulting in damaging cuts for the mentally ill and people with learning disability. Can he give a categorical assurance that the pledge of his health secretary to replay this and other top funding within three years will be fully honoured? Yeah. It's precisely for that reason that, of course, we're introducing um, the new financial measures that will allow the very situation that he's complaining about not to arise in the future. I might just point out, however, of course, his party is opposed to those reforms. Um, but in relation to primary care funding, I'm sure he would want to accept there's been something like a 30% increase in the funding for his area. So I understand the challenges and difficulties as we transit to a better financial system. But the one thing he can't complain of is the amount of money that the government has put into primary care in his area. Mark Durkin. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, the police ombudsman's report shows that a serial killer was protected by special branch and paid by the state for years. Anywhere else that would be a national scandal. Does the Prime Minister accept that collusion was a fact, not a myth? Is it not a disgrace that three former heads of special branch failed to cooperate with the police ombudsman's investigation? Chris Alberston, Ray White and Freddie Hall, but two of them now attack her report and her office. 
Can Ronnie Flanagan, who presided over a culture of anything goes but nobody knows, be credible as Chief Inspector of Constabulary? And will the Prime Minister now rethink plans to install MI5 as continuity special branch in Northern Ireland beyond the reach of key powers of the police ombudsman? First of all, I have to say that though I will say where I agree with him in relation to what has taken place, I completely disagree um, with his analysis of what MI5 is doing in Northern Ireland, and it's simply not correct um, to say that they're going to have any role at all in civic policing. But secondly, let me say to him, of course, we, as we said at the time, we deeply and bitterly regret um, any collusion that has taken place, any um, impropriety um, on behalf of anyone who was working for Special Branch throughout those years. And I'm sure he would want to acknowledge that as a result of the changes that were made some years ago, um, that cannot happen anymore. And it is precisely as a result of the additional scrutiny that we now have that this has been uncovered and lay in bare. And I think what is important is that we now make sure that such a thing can never happen again and that obviously, as we are doing, we deal with those who are responsible. Sir Michael Spacer. Will the European Union take control of of our criminal law? No, uh, they won't. Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Whitehead. In view of the changed political circumstances in the US Congress and the fact that President Bush actually mentioned the word climate change in his State of the Union address last night, will the Prime Minister renew his efforts to persuade the United States to follow the lead of the UK and sign up fully to international measures to combat climate change? Um, Yes, I do believe that that this uh, whole debate is is now um, moving in a a completely different and more positive direction. I think we've got to take measures here, and the climate change bill that we're shortly going to um, publish will will be setting out exactly what those measures are that government can take, business can take, individuals can take. Secondly, we need to make sure that the European emissions trading system is more effective. And thirdly, we need international agreement um, through the G8 plus 5 dialogue that we established at the Glen Eagle Summit. And I think there is a different attitude now right round the world on this issue. Um, I think that um, the signs from the State of the Union address are positive, but we do need to make sure that we get a binding international framework um, that allows us to, to tackle this issue at the only level ultimately it can be tackled, uh, which is by making sure we have an agreement with all the major countries, including America, China and India, um, in such an agreement. And I think the possibilities of doing that are actually more positive and I'm more optimistic about it than I've been for several years. Bill Wigan. On the day that Howard Hunt, who organised the Watergate break-in, has died, will the Prime Minister confirm that if a close aide is charged, he will leave office? Very obvious reasons. I have absolutely nothing to say about that inquiry at all. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Despite increased investment in public transport in recent years, the situation for my constituents who use First Group's disastrous commuter trains and unreliable and expensive buses is dire. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that the abysmal state of public transport in the greater Bristol area would be greatly improved by setting up an integrated transport system such as is found in areas with a passenger transport executive? I entirely understand uh, why my honourable friend raises those concerns and I know obviously as a result of what happened earlier in the week there's been a 
a great deal of debate about First Western services in Bristol. Um, I'm glad that the company have, I think, taken some measures to try and address those concerns. In respect of governance, the road transport bill that's due in draft later this year will enable improvements to transport governance arrangements in cities, including those involving PTAs, passenger transport authorities. So I think and hope um, that the point that my honourable friend's um, raising may find some echo in the arrangements we're going to announce later this year. James Pearce. Mr Speaker, my, uh, my constituents in Cambridgeshire, and I'm sure many others in the country, are increasingly concerned about where their food comes from. So it was very good when the Prime Minister personally attended two weeks ago the launch of the Just Ask campaign to encourage consumers to ask where their food came from. So why have his ministers blocked four separate bills to require country of origin labelling? Um, I don't know the precise reasons on, on each of these measures, but obviously there's got to be a balance between making sure that people have can ask and indeed do ask so that we allow those people who are producing, um, producing goods actually in this country um, are able to get the benefit of people's desire to, 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 to eat produce that, that is from here. But on the other hand, you have to balance that with making sure we don't have bureaucracy that actually undermines a lot of... I'm sure that many members of Parliament on that side would be the first to take us to task for that if we were to enter into arrangements that rather than have the Just Ask campaign, which is voluntary, we ended up with compulsory labelling. Thank you, Thank you Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that there is a need to change the law to ensure positive obligations are placed on company directors and their equivalent public bodies? And does he agree that uh, in so doing we would we would, they would be required to actually ensure that their organisations comply with the Health and Safety at Work Act? Well, I, I do both understand entirely the point my honourable friend makes and why it's important to make it clear um, that it's large organisations as well as small that will be caught by this legislation. Now, there can sometimes be greater practical difficulties in bringing prosecutions against those in larger organisations uh, because there's a different um, chain of command in those um, bigger companies. But the basic provisions of the bill should apply to large and small alike, and I will specifically come back to him on the issue that he raises. Bob Holborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In October, my constituent, Mrs Jeanette Crizzle, tragically died of leukaemia, having been unable to find a suitable bone marrow donor. This coming Monday in Kettering, uh, the Jeanette Crizzle Trust will be launched by her husband, Adam, together with the Shadow Secretary of State for Health, and its aim will be to monitor and to promote more blood, organ and bone marrow donations across the country. Will the Prime Minister confirm to the House his Government's commitment to launch a donation awareness campaign in all secondary schools this coming September? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, first of all, can I um, say that I'm sure the whole House would, would want to send condolences to the family of the Honourable uh, Gentleman's constituent and also to support the trust that has been set up in memory of Mrs Jeanette Crizzle. And also can I say to him that... <laughs> We are indeed developing an education pack for schools to promote donation amongst 14 to 16-year-olds, and that pack will be offered to every school from this September onwards. But in addition to that, um, we are looking at how we 
build our organ donation levels up to those of other European countries. There's a particular task force that is looking at recommendations at the moment. They'll come back and, and report shortly, and I hope very much that that will align um, our thinking with that of the, the voluntary organization that he's just uh, mentioned, because this is a, a very serious question, and particularly for people who suffer, and I think she suffered from leukemia, and there is a, a, a real opportunity to make a difference in saving lives if we could extend the organ donation range. David Winnick, all aware of the crimes and atrocities carried out by the IRA, which obviously we all deplored uh, and can fought against, but should there not, arising from what he said earlier, be a thorough investigation into the findings of the Northern Ireland Police Ombudsman, uh, where she states there was outright collusion between elements in the RUC and loyalist organisations, and some 15 murders may have been involved is not the reputation of our country involved here? And I hope my right honourable friend will look further into this. Can I just reassure my, my honourable friend that, um, although I think the Ombudsman herself has said that she does not see the need for an inquiry, nonetheless, there will be action that we are going to take as a result of her report, um, which will make sure that those who, who, who are responsible um, are properly and rightly dealt with. But also, I think it is fair it, to the reputation of our country to make it clear that as a result of the measures that were taken some years ago, um, this type of collusion has been stamped out. It does not and has not for several years. And in relation to what has happened before then, her report provides the basis for us to act on it. I also, however, do want to just emphasize one thing which, which uh, is implied by the first part of this question. I think whilst we are talking about um, the activities, the wrong activities of a small number of people in the former uh, Royal Ulster Constabulary, it is right to pay tribute also um, to those that lost their lives in withstanding terrorism and to the main body of those officers that were doing a difficult job in very difficult circumstances. And I hope as a result of the measures that we now take, uh, we, can, we can satisfy people. There is no possibility of this ever happening again. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in the comments he has just made. And let us not forget that over 300 RUC officers lost their lives in Northern Ireland protecting the community from terrorism. And that thousands of those officers, uh, including in Special Branch, saved countless lives in Northern Ireland through their actions. And will the Prime Minister join with me in saying now that the only way forward is for all parties in Northern Ireland to unequivocally give their support to the police and the rule of law without any condition? I believe it is, it is right that, that, that if we want a stable and lasting peace in Northern Ireland, it can only be on um, the basis of unequivocal support. Uh, for the police and the rule of law um, and the system of criminal justice there. Let me also say that I think that the one thing that is very clear now is that the police service of Northern Ireland and the changes that we made over the past few years do provide a completely different context in which policing can take place. And that's why I think there is um, now the possibility of moving forward uh, on the basis of a power-sharing executive on the one side and full support for the police and the rule of law on the other. Mr Speaker, this Government's decision to uh, overturn the stance of the previous administration in respect of compensation for former miners has meant payments of over £50 million to miners and their families in the Wigan Borough. During the war, many men were constricted into the pits uh, who formed a vital role in the war effort. Can my right honourable friend 
see that they, this is recognised by the award of a medal for these Bevan boys as quickly as possible so that they can wear it with deserved pride. Um, I, I can tell uh, my honourable friend that um, over the next few weeks we, we will be announcing proposals in order to give recognition to the Bevan boys and the extraordinary work they did in service of their country uh, in the Second World War. And they worked often in very, very dangerous and difficult conditions um, underground. And uh, as a result of their work, of course, we're able to sustain our war efforts. So it would be entirely right that we find a, an appropriate way of recognising their service. Gerald Turf. Against the carefully chosen backdrop of HMS Albion, the Prime Minister promised to increase defence spending. That was taken by our beleaguered armed forces as a firm commitment. So what are they to make of the humiliating dismissal given by one of his ministers in the other place, who referred to the Prime Minister's uh, speech as merely a contribution to the debate, which will of course be regarded very seriously and very importantly indeed. Is this not evidence that the Prime Minister's authority is disappearing rapidly in our country? Um, First of all, let me just point out to him that over the past few years, we have, in fact, increased defence spending. And that was after years of the government that he supported, which cut defence spending by a third. Right. What is more, wholly contrary to what is put out by the Conservative Party, defence spending, when we add in the additional money from Iraq and Afghanistan, has kept constant as a proportion of national income, despite uh, a growing economy. In the ten years before we came to office, it was cut by about a third, again, as a proportion of GDP. So let me tell them, I did indeed make the commitment that our armed forces would be properly supported. They will be properly supported. That is the commitment of this government. It was a commitment never given or honoured by the previous administration. As Secretary of the All-Party Mountain Rescue and Search Teams Group, can I make a, a plea to the Prime Minister? Um, these uh, people uh, are voluntary organisations with little assistance from the government in England and Wales, unlike Scotland, and uh, we need to help them to nav navigate their way through the morass of government departments. So, as the Prime Minister clears his desk to leave at the end of the financial year, Will he please uh, give some consideration to a meeting with uh, representatives of the group and the organisations themselves? They help people who are lost and need to find a direction, and no better legacy could be uh, achieved by anyone. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Right, well, um, uh, I'll, be delighted to, uh, I'll be delighted to meet the, the group that my honourable friend draws attention to. The timing may be another issue, but... Uh, um, I can assure him that we are well aware of the fantastic work done by the volunteers who, who, who work in Mountain Rescue. Um, and, of course, it, support for Mountain Rescue is a decision that is made by chief constables in their local area. But I can assure him, so far as the government is concerned, we will continue to do all we can to support them. Order. Guardian Unlimited.